The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So we're still staying with this third exercise the, that the Buddha taught in the discourse on the four foundations for awareness. And um, it's easy to overlook, overlook this exercise because uh, the four foundations for awareness are often taught as meditation practices. And so uh, people will kind of focus on the parts that have more directly to do with meditation. And here, uh, it's not meditation that's being focused on, but rather activity. And so it's mindfulness in daily life, mindfulness in the activities we do. And um, it's, it's worthwhile to take some time with this and to really begin to appreciate how this can be done and practice in our lives. Because there's a mutual relationship between how we develop our attention in meditation and how we develop it in daily life. And they support each other. And they certainly support each other in that both places are places where it's getting stronger and expanding our capacity to be present. But it's also uh, important because uh, the two areas kind of highlight different aspects of life, different aspects of ourselves. If all we ever did was meditate, we go to a monastery and just meditated all the time, uh, it might be wonderful, but it would just uh, be a very partial experience of who we are. Not a few people have gone off on retreats and been able to meditate all day and feel, wow, this is great and I'm so wonderful and I'll never be challenged again because I'm so balanced and clear and peaceful. And then within a day of leaving, they're angry and upset and yelling at other drivers or, you know, or they find themselves completely consumed with desires and... and um, and so they've certainly learned to settle themselves on retreat, but they haven't learned how to bring attention to what happens in daily life and how to be in daily life so that uh, mindfulness carries the day, not our reactivity. And so to, uh, so in, one, in, med- in meditation, we get to look at part of who we are. In daily life, we get to look at other parts of who we are and find a way to live wisely in both ways, in both, both, both situations. So in terms of um, um, mindfulness in daily life, in activity, one of the great uh, approaches is to do just one thing at a time. Whatever you're doing, just do that. And, um, <clears throat> if, uh, and part of the advantage of kind of going on retreat or going and living in a Buddhist monastery is that uh, the situation there is, tends to be set up. The ambience, the, the atmosphere, the dedication, the, what's happening around you, it supports uh, more often than in daily life just doing one thing at a time. And uh, when I was in the monastery, there was kind of understood if you're sweeping the monastery grounds, just sweep. If you're uh, washing dishes, just do the dishes. And uh, it's represented by the story in Japan when I was in the monastery there where I um, went into the kitchen in the evening for something, maybe a little snack or something. And, um, and there was a, uh, one of the other monks was uh, preparing the vegetables for the next day's meal, and he was chopping them away. 
And um, I stood opposite the table where he was uh, chopping and faced him and asked him some question. I have no, no memory of what I asked him. And, um, and uh, but what I remember was that he put down his knife that he was chopping with, with and he stood up straight and looked at me and answered me in a very matter-of-fact, nice way. And then he picked up his knife and started chopping again. And that's why I asked a second question. He put down the knife stood up straight, faced me, and answered the question in a nice way. So, not really understanding what was going on, I asked him a third question. And so he put down his knife again and faced me, and he said, Gil, son, he said, Gil, the, um, you know, I'm here in the kitchen to just, you know, to chop the vegetables this evening, and, um, and if you're going to talk to me, then I can't really do my work, uh, focus on it. And so then I so then I bowed and apologized and and left. Uh, he was just doing one thing at a time. When he was chopping, he was just chopping. When he was talking to me, he was just talking to me. And he was dedicated to that. So this was not really the ordinary time to have a conversation. So it was reasonable that he wanted to dedicate himself to his work. And it was the evening. He probably wanted to get ready to go to bed. And um, <clears throat> so. Um, um, so that story kind of represents this kind of dedication to just doing one thing at a time. And of course, um, it can be overdone. And there are times, of course, when the one thing we do is a number of things. Uh, and But then just do that. I think, I think I told a story yesterday of being a fast order cook. And I just did one thing. Uh, not one thing, just one job. And I was absorbed in just doing the job, just surrendering to everything that was needed. I was tracking multiple things. But I was just cooking. And um, so exactly what one thing means varies from context to context. But the principle of just when you're doing something, just do that. And don't be involved in things which are extraneous to it. This one thing, (laughs) this one practice, um, can enhance the experience of daily life so that it, it begins to approach the kind of wholeheartedness that uh, monastic life has. Not that it's monastic life, it's just kind of you're getting some of the benefits because a big part of monastic life is this ability to just really do one thing at a time. And then one of the ways of really uh, getting into this is uh, add to it the idea of seeing that one thing through to the end. So like if you're walking in your house from, I don't know, the living room to where the laundry is to move the laundry from the washer to the dryer, and you're walking, that's the task. Just do that. And if you see that something needs to be cleaned up along the way, or something grabs your interest along the way, you see that there's a, something mail has arrived and you want to check the mail. Um, the, uh, uh, if you're doing this one practice at a time, seeing it through to the end practice, uh, since you set yourself on the course to go to the laundry room and cha- move the laundry, just do that. And uh, it might be a little bit less efficient than doing something along the way, but it's uh, more efficient in terms of cultivating mindfulness. Just do that. And uh, if it's important to do something else along the way, then of course, then switch and do that. But just kind of practice more and more, just seeing one thing, one thing through to the end. And then when you're finished, then go look at the mail and do that, that one thing. And at first, it might seem a little artificial, but as you get into it, uh, you will find that um, 
that there's kind of an enhancement of awareness of presence. It helps kind of uh, uh, evoke the various capacities we have when we're fully present for something. Just being there, it can be very relaxing. Uh, It can be very uh, freeing of the preoccupations and the stresses of the day because a lot of the stresses of the day don't have so much to do with what often don't have to do with what's happening in the moment but have to do with our imagination our projection into the future or our fantasy or anxieties that are uh, you know more have to do with a thought world than they have to do with what's happening right here and now so to be able to just kind of just see this thing through to the end and develop that capacity can be very freeing in terms of what builds up stress in our minds and then uh, to learn to enjoy doing that, to learn how doing just one activity, how embodying that, embodying that with awareness. Uh, uh, so it's not a duty, it's not like a mental thing, like, okay, now I should you know, just be here. It's an embodied, all-body thing, just the body is there for itself. And, um, and this also represents in the moment for me the experience I had in the Japanese monastery where... Um, Sometimes it was my job to bring the food from the kitchen to the <clears throat> dining room and table where we would eat on the table, bring the food to them. And um, sometimes I was given the rice to carry in the big pot of rice. And, and it was, you know, kind of big, but it was, I could carry it with one hand. And so I would carry it with one hand. And it seemed like a fine thing to do. And it was doing the job. And, and, um, and whenever I did that, some other monk would come along and say, Gilson, when you carry the pot carry it with both hands just really be there and um, so in, in Zen also if you're drinking tea uh, you wouldn't just drink it with one hand you would actually be there fully to drink the tea, just the tea seeing that tea just all the way with both hands, something about using both hands which uh, contributes to this embodiment, this like let's just let's here be here for this this thing and, um, and then also with our posture that uh, there's a posture that uh, maybe is relaxed enough, but uh, the posture is not participating in what we're doing. So it's not just a matter of doing one thing with attention, but also uh, how much of our whole being can we gently, lovingly bring along to do something so that there's a begins to be a feeling, a sense of being absorbed in one something. And the more we, of ourselves we bring to the activity, Uh, actually the more pleasurable it tends to become, the more it tends to enhance our capacity for presence. And so um, certainly I can, uh, you know, sometimes it's nice to be, the one thing we do is to relax at the end of a day and then sitting in a nice easy chair and maybe just reading something or having tea and just reading and having tea and drinking kind of mindlessly the tea because, you know, you're doing that one relaxing thing. That's completely fine because you know this is what I'm doing. But there's qualitatively a very different thing. If um, you say, okay, I'm really going to just, now I'm going to, really the one thing I'm going to do is drink tea. And you sit up a little bit straighter so your kind of spine is involved too. And then you pick up the, the cup with two hands and you really kind of meet it and really going, this is what you're going to do with two hands, with your whole body. And uh, there are times when that begins awakening a very different kind of mindful presence, awareness, embodied awareness, 
then the idea of that mindfulness is a mental activity of just knowing, you know, knowing I'm lifting, knowing knowing the cup, knowing a feeling, and um, that that's sometimes part of what mindfulness is. But it's and then it's a kind of a partial awareness. It's a, using just one faculty, but to bring our posture, our body into what we're doing and feeling it and sensing it is um, is how we, uh, the sense of absorption or pleasure in the activity can grow. And then, um, in doing so, uh, can, uh, over time you find that actually the result of doing it is that uh, you have more clarity, more wisdom, more understanding, more ability to tune in to your environment and be in harmony with it or be wise with what you do. Doing, enjoying one thing at a time is not hedonistic. It's, um, it's, uh, it sets up the uh, conditions for wisdom and for freedom and for clarity. So doing one thing at a time, one activity at a time, and, to, and then kind of seeing it through to the end. Um, so within reason, of course. So, thank you very much, and uh, and we'll continue a little bit more on this topic of uh, mindfulness activities, because we'll see that it, uh, some of the lessons we learn here uh, are then uh, relate to what we learn in meditation practice, and and uh, we learn to apply that there as well, and um, and it supports the meditation. So, thank you very much.